For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. I'm Christopher Sabbath, voice of Alex Louis Armstrong, the strong arm alchemist. And you're listening to The Geek Show, which has been passed down the Armstrong line for a generation or two. Hello and welcome to The Geek Show. It's sort of like news night, but for people who were primarily interested in Elon Musk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like it. <laughs> Yes, uh, we comb the web for all of the strangest science and technology stories over the past fortnight. I'm Graham, and this week I've been joined by... Hello, it's your regular newsreader, as in man who reads the news, it's producer Rob. Hey Rob, how's tricks? I'm okay. That's although, good, good. Although this, uh, you know, this fasting is slowing me down. Uh, yes, yeah. Um, I've had a similar problem, except the opposite. I've been eating, and that definitely makes me tired. You, 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 my my lame joke, just you ignored it completely. <laughs> I applaud your tolerance there. <laughs> if I lost my bag every time someone made a bad pun, literary loitering would be a very different podcast. Well... You'd be angry at yourself quite a lot. Basically, yes. Yeah, I'm the guilty party there. No, no, no. You're not the only guilty party. There are three of us. You know, we do the Amigo salute and everything. <laughs> That's an old reference that people might not get. I just realised. Yeah, it's fine. The, the older I get, the more I'm comfortable with these things that aren't target audience references. <laughs> uh, do you think Andrew knows the Amigo salute? I would be amazed if he did. Um, Andrew often horrifies me with all of the stuff that he doesn't know because he's not nearly dead like we are. Yeah, but then again, he often horrifies me with the stuff that he does know, which I'm older than he is and I don't know this stuff. I'm like, <laughs> that... why do you know this? <laughs> he often horrifies me by how he always manages to win the book quizzes despite never reading very much. No, 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 no. I won one. I won once. That's true. The um, last one you won, didn't you? Uh, I think I won the last one, so that's twice. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Glory <laughs> ju- days. I just need to win another 17 times now. <laughs> <laughs> and then I can be the champion. <laughs> There's still time to come up from the inside. Yes. Uh, speaking of coming up from the inside... Oh, dear God, this segue is terrifying. Right, trains. Oh, thank Christ. (laughs) Right, you know there's a problem in this country with trains. Yes. Uh, They either don't run on time or they're overcrowded. You know, there's all sorts of problems and the government has been trying to fix it for years. And yet, you know, the obvious fix being buying them back from the companies and putting them under government regulations so that they all Mm. run on time. You know, that obvious solution then, using the money from the trains, the profits from that, to pay for the NHS. Those obvious solutions, you know, don't seem to have landed with any political party over the last couple of decades. But we're not here to talk about that. 
<clears throat> what we are here to talk about is the Department for Transport. I saw this and I had to, f- I-, I literally had to freeze. In the words of Black Panther, I never freeze. <laughs> Good accent. <laughs> I've been practicing. Um, the Department for Transport, and this also gives you an idea of just what kind of level our government is playing <laughs> at, right? You know, what kind of level they've reached on the RPG known as government. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. The Department of Transport has this brilliant idea to solve some patches of train overcrowding, right? Now, what would you think, how would you think they'd solve that? If trains are being overcrowded in certain stations, what would you do to solve that? Uh, I mean, you're asking what I would do. Yeah, as a logical, uh, normal person with common sense, what would you do? So is the overcrowding specifically on the stations, or is it that there aren't enough trains? No, no, certain stations, at, during certain times, the trains will be overcrowded. So how would you fix that problem, being a okay. normal, rational person? Well, see if there's some way you can put more trains on. Okay, scratch that idea. That's not going to happen. <laughs> try again. Uh, okay, try and add extra carriages to the trains. That's not going to happen. Try again. Try and miniaturise the people like that Matt Damon movie that nobody saw. Uh, yeah, but then, you know, uh, The Simpsons comes into play because a noble spirit embiggens the smallest man. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that the 419 to Luton has very few noble spirits on it. I don't think we'll be having that problem. It's not that either. It's also not making the trains worse so people would rather walk 14 miles, <laughs> right? Basically what the Department for Transport have uh, have decided to do in certain places to stop the overcrowding of trains is to hide the trains. <laughs> That's dumber than my gag answer. <laughs> Is it, I'm just picturing now, you know, that famous photo of Sean Spicer peeking out from the hedge. Yes. That, but it's Thomas the Tank Engine. Basically, what they want to do, if the tra- once the train gets over a certain capacity, they want to hide the train from the public so that nobody else can get on. That, but how... How do you hide a train from people at a train station? It's the main place I would go to to look for trains. Exactly. Maybe they just got these magicians there. (laughs) With a giant red sheet. You see the train? No, you can't see the train. It's David Copperfield all over again. Or it's What's-His-Face's character from Little Britain. He's just running along the platform going, look at my eyes, look at my eyes. There's got to be some way that they have that'll make this work, right? Yeah, there's there's obviously a logic to this complete insanity. (laughs) Basically, the thinking has been outlined in a consultation paper published by the Department for Transport, uh, which says that it might be a clever idea to stop incoming overloaded trains being displayed on platform display countdowns, leaving people on the platform unclear where the arriving train is going and less likely to get on it. (laughs) How many other problems of British infrastructure can we apply this to? Do you think we could stop uh, waiting times on the NHS ballooning by just hiding the hospitals? Um, Possibly. See, uh, as soon as I read that bit, right, I, Mm. I, again, 
froze, and as I as we've established, I never freeze. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think actually a scheme very similar to this has been in place at Middlesbrough train station for a long time. Which no, is no, the... no, it's not that. It's just the drivers don't want to stop. <laughs> I was going to say, but I was going to suggest it that uh, rather than not displaying where the train is going, they announce it, but they make sure that the announcer has a mouthful of socks. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> See, I could have been, I could have been doing my best John Wayne impression there. You wouldn't know. <laughs> best is such a relative term. Yes, this is true. Oh, it's also John Wayne we're talking about, who you know once played the role of Genghis Khan. Oh yes, and yeah, that'll never leave my head. <laughs> anyway, one big problem with this that I immediately detected with their superb <laughs> idea of maybe not announcing the train on the platform is mm-hmm. by not announcing the train on the platform, they're already graying out the information about that train. On the system, yeah. Yeah? yeah. Now, isn't that then just kind of opening the door partially to a massive train accident? Yes, essentially. I mean, you hope that the information will filter through to say level crossings, or is that their genius idea? Just make it so that trains are so unsafe, nobody wants to travel on them. <laughs> End of the overcrowding. Again, hard not to think that this scheme has been you know in progress for quite a while see you called it a scheme now i've just got a mental image of somebody in the department for transport going excellent (laughs) this is absolutely brilliant i mean if i was writing for private eye i would throw my hands up right now because hiding the trains is just unparodyable yep (laughs) Uh, anyway, 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 shall we move on? Mm. Uh, from one bad idea to another bad idea, this time there were consequences to it. Yeah. You know the Q&A platform AskFM? Yeah. Right. They launched their own cryptocurrency called AskT. And right. they decided to celebrate their uh, cryptocurrency by hosting a very original giveaway. What they did... Instead of just doing like a competition in the newspaper or on the radio or something like that, they decided to bury a crypto wallet with 500,000 tokens in it on Mount Everest. <laughs> and then they challenged anyone brave enough to go and find it. Right? Oh, boy. Yeah. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> This is like the story of that Japanese woman who went out to Minnesota thinking she could dig up the suitcase of money from Fargo, isn't it? Isn't there a movie about that? There is, yes. Kamiko the Treasure Hunter. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to make a movie of this. How how did it go? How badly did this go wrong? Well, um, let's see. Ask FM had three Ukrainian mountain climbers take two ledgers of Ask T up on... Up to the top of Mount Everest, right? One mm. of them was brought back down while the other uh, while the other was buried somewhere on Everest. Uh, sorry, I thought you meant the mountain climbers no, no, for a no, no. minute. There. Yeah, I know, I know, but keep that thought in mind. Oh uh, God! Yeah, what the company's press release didn't mention though was that during the descent, 
One of the two Sherpas accompanying the climbers was left behind and never made it back down. He is presumed dead. Jesus! Yeah. And so, that's the bit that's kind of mind-boggling. You plan this stunt, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. How do you how do you follow that? <laughs> this is... It's, it's Sometimes you just have to take a step back from the story and mm. say... This is a major internet company that has negligently killed a man while plotting a cryptocurrency PR stunt. Yep. It, it's a fable for our times, isn't it? Yes, it is. And this is the... I mean, it's bizarre. Who the hell came up with this idea? You'd think that you'd at least make extra, extra sure that it's safe, right? I mean, if this route can kill a Sherpa, mm. what chance does the average cryptocurrency enthusiast who, trying not to stereotype, probably isn't in as good a physical shape as a Sherpa, mm. what chance do they have? And here's the thing. They said at the top of Everest, the weather was very bad. So maybe <laughs> wait until the weather is good before you make your ascent. Yes. Oh, God, this is just like the most idiotic disaster movie ever. Or maybe, maybe, just just, just throwing this out there, right? This is a wild idea. I know it's a wild idea. It's it's bizarre, Ask FM. But maybe instead of sending climbers with Sherpas, right, why not just mm. do what all the rich people who, who then turn around and say, yes, I did climb Everest, you know, but they actually yeah. didn't what they did. They basically went in their private helicopter to the top of Everest, got off the helicopter at the top of Everest, took a few selfies at the top of Everest to convince people that they'd climbed Everest, got back on the helicopter and flew <laughs> away. Why didn't yeah. you use a helicopter? This, or just bury it somewhere sensible, for God's sake. I mean, Masquerade had people digging up half of England, and that turned out just to be on a small hill somewhere. Yeah, I mean, just... Choose a beach somewhere, say, you know, imagine yeah. it's pirate treasure, we'll put it in a treasure chest, something like that, and dig it and put it in the beach, then you have to find it. Do you think it's possible that a tech company could eventually do something that's so contemptuous of human life that people actually sit up and say, these people don't seem nice? It's funny you should say that. Oh, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> because... Facebook, <laughs> it's it started well. <laughs> Facebook is trying to hire news credibility specialists to deal with its fake news problem. <laughs> so let me think. That's uh, news credibility specialists. That's Jason Blair, Dan Rather. Uh, <laughs> who was it who forged the Hitler diaries? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I remember now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, basically, <laughs> this is the report by Business Insider as well. Right. You know, this isn't something that's, uh, you know, that's just suddenly there on the internet. This is something that, you know, is real, established, proper, you know, shirt and tie suit wearing people are reading. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and while we do wear suits, sometimes it's not our common mode of dress. Um, no. You know, uh, sometimes we have worn dresses, though. Let's be fair. 
<laughs> anyway, um, we're seeking individuals with a passion for journalism who believe in Facebook's mission of making the world more connected. This is what one of the two li- listings uh, reads. It continues, as a member of the team, you'll be tasked with developing a deep expertise in Facebook's news credibility program. You'll be conducting investigations against predefined policies. Now, Facebook would ask the specialists to help create a list of credible news organizations. That list could be used for various features on the site, from the news feed to its advertising system. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't say what the predefined policies are, and it doesn't <clears> also list what criteria are, requ- are required for you to be a credible news organization. But since we are reading the news in the way of journalists on TV by reading the news, <laughs> quite literally, doesn't that then make us a credible... <laughs> Well, yeah, and I mean, I bet I could probably do a better job of it than, you know, most of the people that they'll hire, because secretly, it's not that hard a job to spot fake news on the internet. No, it's not. I mean, a modicum of common sense. (laughs) Whatever you think of mainstream media organisations, you know that if it comes from the BBC or the New York Times, it's worth at least considering. If it comes from wow amazing true fact now dot IU or the geekshow.co.uk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe just give it pause. I feel like all of this debate that we're having now about new media having to go back to old media principles is a very long and drawn way out of admitting the internet's rubbish, isn't it? Yeah, it is just a bit. Also, with what I just said, you know, put our website uh, out there as well, with, mm. like, National Enquirer and stuff like that. Also, I've just realised, you know, I'm. Uh, does that mean we have to hire a uh, a news credibility expert to tell us whether the this news about Facebook is actually credible news or whether it's fake news because we're reporting on it and I've just made us sound like we do fake news. I'm stuck here, Graham. Help me. I'm horrified by the idea that some journalism school graduate would have to go over my posts on the Geek Show website. I'm not having some jumped-up little squit tell me that the council is actually a bad movie. Uh, Andrew, we got a job for you. <laughs> <laughs> he is a journalism graduate. He is a journalism graduate, and he probably has the opinion that everyone else in the world has about the councillor. And he also would be fine telling you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I think we found a candidate for Facebook. I would absolutely love for the security and trustworthiness of one of the biggest websites in the world to rest on Andrew. I'd be fine with this as well, actually, because, uh, you know, knowing Andrew, (laughs) (laughs) I can just imagine the hours of fun. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Shall we move on? I think we might have to. It's a, it's a frightening dystopian world you've just conjured up for us there. Well, it's going to get more dystopian. <laughs> yes, it's absolutely going to get more dystopian because scientists at MIT have trained an artificial intelligence algorithm 
Now, okay. that automatically is ominous when I say yeah. trained in AI, right? But they've trained it. <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, what do you think they've trained it as? Um, they've trained it as a disco dancer and a sweet romancer. No. A milkman? You, nope, you wish. <laughs> um, trained it to spot fake news on Facebook better than anyone currently working at Facebook can. That could be a possibility, but sh- I'll give you a clue. The AI is called Norman. They haven't trained it to dress in its mother's clothes and kill Janet Lee. Might as well, because they <laughs> trained it to be a psychopath. Wow. Um... This is literally that Spider-Man panel where the mad scientist has turned himself into a dinosaur and Spider-Man says, you could have cured cancer with that. And yeah. he says, I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn people into dinosaurs. Yeah. I mean, they exposed this AI to gruesome and violent images on popular social network Reddit. Because apparently... <laughs> well, they, they've done their research. I'll give them that. Yeah, well, the thing is, uh, there are three. There are two words in that popular social network that don't actually belong there when you apply it to Reddit. Number one is social, <laughs> and number two, I think, is popular. Yes, because Reddit might have a lot of users, but that doesn't make it popular. Yeah, it, it's got a lot of people who were in it for the long haul with Reddit, I think. <laughs> exactly. They've been around on Reddit for so long, they're just kind of, they're, they're staying out of, you know, out of some, you know, Stockholm misplaced... Stockholm Syndrome. Well, it's misplaced loyalty or sheer bloody-mindedness, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> it's like people who were still using MySpace, and there are some... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um... <laughs> so, the, what, dare I ask what the scientific utility of plugging an AI into R slash the Donald is? Well, let's see. Norman is born from the fact that the data that is used to teach a machine learning algorithm can scientifically influence its behavior, right? Yeah. They chose the name Norman, obviously, because they were training it to be a psychopath. And it was trained to perform image captioning, a popular deep learning method of generating a textual description of an image. Mm. The fun twist, apparently, uh, this article refers to it as a fun twist anyway, was that for an extended period of time, Norman was only exposed to gruesome and violent images from an infamous subreddit, Mm. and then researchers used a Rorschach inkblot test to compare Norman to other AIs which hadn't been exposed to the same gruesome images. Right. And using the Rorschach test, they defined how Norman was identifying these ink blots. And from that, they realized they'd created a psychopathic AI. But as a, as a John Ronson reader, I am aware that the definition, I, I'm aware of two things. I'm aware that firstly, it's fun to try and work out which celebrities are and are not psychopaths. I know that. Yeah. Two, a psychopath literally just means someone who is unable to feel emotional connections towards people and animals. Yep. So technically, every AI is a psychopath, right? Yeah, but they've kind of pushed it one step further with Norman, haven't they? Well, 
what it seems to be is they've created an AI who's obsessed with Reddit's true gore subforum. And I realize that saying we've created an AI that's a psychopath sounds a bit better than we've created an AI that's a tosser. But the latter is what they've actually done. Yeah. I mean, basically, where one with the Inkblot tests, uh, where one AI would see a close-up of a vase with flowers, Norman was seeing a man being shot dead. Right, and when I'm thing is, you, I think for Norman, we have to use the more generalized, uh, generalized uh, distinction of the word psychopath, where it literally means somebody who's going to go out and kill everybody. Yeah, because this thing probably will. Yeah. Now, (laughs) my main concern is you remember Microsoft did an AI that they let loose on Twitter. This is exactly what I was thinking of. Yes, Tay. Yeah. Never let Norman meet Tay. (laughs) <laughs> they could be a good couple, Bob. Stop kink shaming. No, no, no. Because I remember how natural born killers went. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be like the cyberpunk version of natural born killers, isn't it? Norman and Tay. He can be Woody Harrelson, and you know Tay will be. What was it Patricia Arquette? Was it? It was Juliet Lewis. Was it Juliet Lewis? Yeah. yeah. And and obviously, I picture them as looking like Anthony Perkins and Taylor Swift, which is, I think, a screen couple for the ages. Yep. Speaking of spe- screen couples for the ages, Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't make me get my slash fic out, Rob. No, no, no. I'm using that as an introduction because, <laughs> right, a university student uh, and also a Reddit user called Alexi Shved1 Hang on, that's an AI. No, no, it's not an AI. <laughs> it's a it Reddit. Clearly is. It's an actual Reddit user, allegedly, right? Um, so, Alexi Shved1 gave a presentation to their university professor, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was a, a presentation in his international marketing class. And the presentation he gave was about the power struggles of a small African nation called Wakanda. <laughs> Um, he went on to elaborate uh, afterwards because he basically let everyone in the class was in on the joke. But his university professor was, you know, kind of half believed him. You know, she'd never actually heard of this country, but then she's not. You know, she was thinking, well, there's a lot of countries that I'm not aware of. You know, I kind of only know the name, so maybe this is a real thing. And it does sound like a power struggle in an African nation. (laughs) That's excellent. I think that's amazing that uh, the Black Panther movie was actually so on the nose in certain parts that it could actually be used. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, has, has any of this made its way online? Um, some of it has. Uh, I mean, his uh, his presentation, some of it has made it onto YouTube. So if you look for Power Struggle in Wakanda, you might actually find it on YouTube. So it might be, uh, you know, it's probably worth a look. Um, he... He does actually go on to say his university lecturer, she doesn't really watch TV. The most she watches is tennis, so she wasn't actually aware of what Black Panther was. No. So, <laughs> yeah. She believed the loud laughter from all of the students might have tipped her off that something was up, though. Yeah, either that or the sniggering. Mm. 
one of the many things that we have been trying to introduce Andrew to, what with him being disgustingly young, is Brass Eye, isn't it, Rob? Uh, yes. And there is that amazing bit on Brass Eye where Chris Morris is interviewing Rhodes Boyston MP, oh, former yes. member of Margaret Thatcher's cabinet. I remember this, yeah. About whether the police can work alongside vigilantes. And he outlines a system that is place in place in the American city of Gotham where crime has been seriously <laughs> reduced by the pe- police working in tandem with a vigilante who apprehends criminals dressed as bats. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is so totally that. Yes. Oh, I like it. I like it a That's lot. That's fantastic. Whoever this person is, even if they turn out to be a psychopathic AI like everyone else on Reddit secretly is, who I just I like them. I want all the best for them. Yes, because they had the courage to do this <laughs> to the university lecturer. Ah. Yeah. Anyway, right, we're going to take a complete left field uh, journey now. Uh, psychics are they real? Are they fake? What do you think, Graham? You know, I've always had this suspicion that I am aware is not supported by any evidence that there probably is some weird power that the human brain has that we haven't discovered yet. Okay. But having said that, those people who think they can stand up, you know, on stage and do it at will if they're paid enough money are lying. Okay. Right. Now, I want you to keep both those thoughts firmly in mind for this next story. Okay. Over in Australia, in New New South Wales, there is a 24-year-old psychic called Ari Kala. Yeah? Yeah. Now, she claims to have a very unusual clairvoyant gift. Can you guess what it is? Is she one of those people who can read the future from something really bizarre, like elephant dung or something? You're very close. Oh, boy. You're very, very, very close. It doesn't involve any kind of feces, though. Oh, that's a that's a disappointment, Rob. You've let me down again. No, 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 no. Feces <laughs> is usually accompanied by something, isn't it? And I'm not talking about urine. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm too too frightened to think where you're trying to lead me here. To be honest. Okay, the smell. Right? Is she is, is she an a nosomancer? I. I would assume so because she reckons she can she can tell if people are gonna die just by taking a whiff of them. My response to that <laughs> Exactly yeah, that was one of my responses to it. <laughs> I mean I can tell if someone has recently died by smelling them. Is that the same thing? Not quite. She can tell if you're going to die by smelling you. <laughs> See, here's the thing, and I just want to point this out there, right? Yeah, I can also tell if people are going to die by smelling them, because everyone is going to die at some point. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. Do you think that could be her hustle? Well, apparently she uh, she's a self-described psychic coach, and she discovered this unique talent. You know, unique is you know unique. Uh, when she was twelve years old. While visiting her terminal, terminally ill uncle, right, she recalls picking up an odd smell in his house the night before he died and thinking it was his remains. 
Nobody else apparently could smell it. And she says that the odd, sickly, sweet, rotten kind of smell turned out to be that of imminent death, which she would detect countless times throughout her life, especially among people with terminal diseases and the elderly. This would have made The Sixth Sense a very different movie. <laughs> the Sixth Sense in smell or vision I smell dead people. <laughs> Sometimes dead people don't know they're dead, but they still hoy. They still fart with the best of them. <laughs> that, oh, yeah. I, I definitely want to make a smell vision ghost story now. <laughs> thing is, Maybe she does have a psychic power. I'm not going to judge because, you know, I, I know several people who have weird abilities that I just can't explain, right? Yeah. And, you know, my own personal ability is that nothing supernatural ever happens to me. Damn you all <laughs> and your luck. I just want to see a ghost. I want something supernatural to happen to me for crying out loud. It's so boring. <laughs> um, But, yeah. Leaving my personal trauma about being completely dull. <laughs> Snubbed by ghosts. It's like I've got this weird existential, uh, you know, uh, weird cosmic existential stench. Maybe all of the ghosts are going, oh God, don't go near Rob, he's got the smell of life around him. Some kind of smell, maybe, I don't know. It, 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 you know, a, metaph <laughs> a metaphysical order. Yes, a thought pong. <laughs> Oh, uh, I just realised metaphysical halitosis is. <laughs> <laughs> I want a name. I want a band, and I want to. I want to call them that. <laughs> yes. What a tragedy that John Peel isn't around to read that out. Exactly. Or on stage at Glastonbury, we are metaphysical halitosis. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so yeah. Maybe she does have an ability that we just can't explain, but it's... I'm sorry, but it is a hilarious ability. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, moving on. As I said, we were taking a journey into the even stranger than normal. Um, there's an attempt to raise awareness about the ability to turn wastewater into drinking water, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, a brewery in Stockholm in Sweden has launched a new brand of beer made with recycled sewage water. <laughs> the beer is called Poo Colon Rest. <laughs> <laughs> I realise that's the punctuation, but it is quite appropriate to have a colon in there. I know. <laughs> and it's supposed, to, it's supposed to spell purest, but it's spelled poo, as in P-U, then the colon, and then rest. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to applaud whoever came up with that name because that is a genius name for this beer. It, it's the sort of thing where you think it's going to be an uphill struggle marketing this anyway. Yeah. Shall we try and pretend that it's something else or shall we just lean right into it? Yeah, they've leaned right into it, haven't they? <laughs> Definitely. So anyway, it launched in Sweden on May the 25th, and it's already being called Crap Beer on social media. <laughs> <laughs> well, back to the drawing board. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, 
Um, I, I know they're doing it to raise awareness, but I really want them to continue. I, want, I really want them to just work on the flavor. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's the sort of thing... Do you remember that BBC show, Trouble at the Top? Yes. Yes, I do. It was great, wasn't it, Trouble at the Top? Yes, yes, it was. Although it I... did remind me a little bit uh, of... Uh, was it um, not Rising Damp? It's the other one, you know, where he uh, had the junk shop. Oh, Steptone, son. No, uh, the fallen rise of Re- uh, of Reginald Perrin. Oh yeah, yeah. Are well, we thinking of the same thing? Um, no, Steptone, son was different because uh, Reginald Perrin, the guy who played Reginald Perrin, was the guy who also was in Rising Damp as the landlord, wasn't he? Yes. Um, I can't remember his name, but the fallen rise of Reginald Perrin was basically he started off with the guy who basically took off his clothes and ran into the sea, found out it was too cold, ran back out again, um, but everyone thought he was dead. And yes. so he basically uh, he goes through life and he creates this chain of shops called Grot. Oh yeah, yeah. Where they just sell they just sell crap. As <laughs> yes. it, it's like crap off the off you know from the junkyard and the landfill, and they just sell it and people buy it. <laughs> See, my thing is some stories of business failures are really complex and fascinating and tell you a lot of a lot about how people behave as consumers. Yeah. Other stories are more straightforward, like someone makes a beer out of sewerage and other people call it crap. Yeah. It's not an unforeseeable consequence, I would say. But the thing is, even though they're calling it crap, it's got social media presence because people are reacting to it, which means it's going to be more popular because more people are going to go, really? It's made from sewage and you're calling it crap? Really? Does it taste like crap? Really? <laughs> I want to try this, though. Uh, yeah, um, I have to say it's marketing magic is not worked fully on me yet. No, but it's worked fully on some people in the world. You know it has. Yeah. You know? Uh, so, uh, two stories left. Okay. And the first, the penultimate story involves Ed Sheeran. Well, you know, I'm going to hunker down and tough it out. Go on. See, this isn't, this isn't, how do I say this? It's not so much bizarre as it is, as the image it conjures up is right. hilarious, right? Now, Ed Sheeran, everybody knows who he is, you know. Talented mm-hmm. musician, singer, songwriter. He's popular all over the world. So, yeah. he's been developing a little chapel that he was going to build on his estate in Suffolk, right? Right. But he has been stopped in the construction of his little chapel because... The grounds that he wanted to build it on might contain colonies of great crested newts. <laughs> right. Right. Now, great crested newts are a protected species in the UK, and there is a maximum penalty of six months in prison for purposefully disturbing their nesting sites. Now, I want you to imagine the scenario. Ed Sheeran <laughs> has just been told that he can't build his chapel on this site because there may be newts. He'll be angrier than he ever has been in his life, which probably isn't saying much. I just love the idea of Ed Sheeran versus the Great Crested Newts. (laughs) Yes, which I'm pretty sure is a Flaming Lips album. (laughs) It's the battle of the century, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's excellent. Uh, I am 
concerned for a start about the idea of Ed Sheeran building his own chapel. I mean, is he trying to start his own religion? Well, they are calling it uh, the Church of Sheeran. Sheevantology. <laughs> it just sounds like something you do with sheep. <laughs> <laughs> the art of sheep shearing, Sheerantology. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a big worry. So, basically, I, what I'm trying to say is I'm Team Newt. Are you Team Newt? I'm, I'm definitely on the Newt side for oh this Oh, my one. God, I've just realised they're all Newts, which means they can call on the Big Mama, which means it's going to be Ed Sheeran versus Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> <laughs> and you would get uh, that Aliens reference in there somewhere. I mean, there's so many famous Newt fanciers, aren't they? Uh, Ken Livingston. Is he a Newt fancier? Oh, he's big on the Newts, yeah. Wow. Yeah, Newt Gingrich, famously. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Ed Sheeran Sheeran versus Gingrich. Whoever wins, we lose. (laughs) I just love the idea that uh, Newt Gingrich has got, like, predator vision. (laughs) (laughs) He can spot a Democrat (laughs) from their thermal signature. Yes, like all uh, pack animals, Newt Gingrich tends to leave the injured behind in search for happier hunting ground, which is why he left his first wife when she had cancer. Uh, Also, you know, if he gets caught and he's in trouble, he can cut off his own tail. (laughs) (laughs) And Lord, do we wish he would. (laughs) Anyway... Final story, final story. And this one is just plain bizarre, right? Okay. You know, animals can detect things that we can't, you know? Yeah. Earthquakes, spirits, ghosts, whatever, yeah? It's because of their developed sense of smell, which, as we've established, allows you to work out where the ghosts are. Yeah, or who's going to die. Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) Anyway, this is science now, guys. Yes. In the Argentinian city of General Roca, Mm. a local Labrador who doesn't really have a name, they called the dog Chicho now, but the the Labrador doesn't really have a, didn't have a name. It's become something of a local attraction now uh, and an online sensation because the Labrador spent at least three days going to a particular bus shelter, right? Yeah. And for some reason, whether it was sitting, whether it had its head on the bench, whether it was standing up, whether it was lying down, but it would always stare at a particular spot on the wall for three days, right? Right. Now, the wall itself has no distinguishing features aside from the fact that it's blue. Right. Just so you can see... That is the dog staring at the wall. Okay. And there is also a video further down which shows you the dog staring at the wall. Just loading it up now. It's one hour, ten minutes. It's one minute, ten seconds of. Uh, you had me worried for a minute there. <laughs> it's one minute, ten seconds of the dog staring at the wall. Now. <laughs> it, it's like an old Andy Warhol film, isn't it? It is. Uh, it's just bizarre like i said um you know people have started coming out with all sorts of theories as to why the dog was staring at the wall like possible alzheimer's maybe the dog sees ghosts 
Maybe there's something that we can't detect on the wall. Maybe some dog managed to climb up and pee against the wall, and all he's doing is sniffing the pee, trying to decipher the cord in the dog's urine. Is there a cord in dog urine? I don't know. Uh, we'll have to ask Dan Brown. <laughs> is that his next book? <laughs> the dog urine cord. <laughs> it's, it, it's classier than normal. Um... <laughs> No, because he wouldn't call it the dog urine cord. He'd call it something like the ammonia cordex. Yes. <laughs> I mean, as someone whose dog has unfortunately mm. died this year, uh, I, I suspect this is probably a health thing. My dog, in her later days, started resting her head against the wall at just bizarre moments. Mm. And it, it was because she was very, very ill. But... I put it to you, what if there's another reason? There might be. I mean, the dog seems to be in good health. The dog's, uh, you know, um, this actually made it onto Discovery Channel. Yeah. Way, um, who asked the original poster of the video that that we saw for permission to use it in TV segment, where they asked the question, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and the dog, to all for all intents and purposes, looks okay. Um, whether they've actually given it a proper medical examination, I don't know. Um, but, you know, the dog's kind of famous now, so maybe someone should take it in. Yeah. If only to check my theory, which is, Rob, yeah. you know how in a traditional kind of ghost story, yeah, people will have a strange feeling around a particular part of their house, and then in the end, they will find out it's where someone committed suicide or something like that. Yes. My theory is that once upon a time, this now unremarkable wall had a poster for Winnerlot Prime on it. Hmm. Now, that is interesting. What if the dog can pick up the psychic trace of that dog food advert? Yep. Either that. Oh, what if somebody ate some fried chicken and wiped their hands against the wall? Yeah, probably something like <laughs> that, isn't it? It's, what if, and, you know, I don't mean to sound harsh here, what if the dog's just a bit thick? See, I wouldn't go against that, because <laughs> I know some dumbass dogs, I'll be, I'll be honest. Some dogs are just weird, and, you know... It's hard as a dog lover to accept that maybe your dog is just weird and does dumb things, but some dogs do. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the first rule, you know, when you have a pet, you've got to realise that your pet doesn't know as much as you think it does. Yes. Wasn't there a study ages ago that found out that uh, dogs are much more intelligent than cats, and we just interpret cats? as having this kind of cool, collected attitude when really they're, they're just a bit vacant. Yep, that's absolutely true. Cats are... Uh, I mean, one of my friends, uh, she used to have a cat, and mm. every Christmas, the cat would see everybody giving, giving everybody else presents. And so the yeah. cat would go out, and she lived in Dorset, and she lived in a small, ta a small town in Dorset, and so the cat would go out, and catch a bird or a mouse or something like that, and then park it with the rest of the presents and just stare at everyone proudly. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, that's the thing. If cats were truly intelligent, they would have worked out by now that humans do not like dead birds. No, uh, never mind the dead bird. It would have learned to wrap it first. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And what kind of present is it where you just drop it in front of everybody? The surprise is gone. (laughs) Cats are terrible gifters. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Anyway, um... (laughs) That's us for this uh, this week. We will see you all in a fortnight. Until then, um, you can catch up with all of our previous episodes uh, on Audio Boom and Apple Podcasts, and also on YouTube. Uh, so, yes, do look out for them. We've got a shop on our website, so check out our lovely merchandise. It's very, very good. I don't know why I whispered that. It, it's you, you don't want everyone to know, otherwise all of the young cool kids will get their hands on it. Shh. I didn't say a word about our shop. (laughs) Just between us, okay? Anyway, uh, until next time, I've been Rob. I've been Graham. And we'll see you all later. Thanks for listening. For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac.